Hello. Hello. Hello? Can you hear me? Oh my god. Hold on. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. (sighs) Did you have tech cat pickle? difficulties there's a pun in there and i can't quite get to it (laughs) yeah we had uh cat related difficulties so everything we just talked about is gone (laughs) because dante over dante stepped on the switch on the power bar and shut down mine and ali's computers ali was in the middle of a dungeon it's fine Yeah, so unfortunately, we we will have to start over. And then, of course, my computer took That's like fine. four hours. We'll do to it better the on. second time. Okay, we'll be a little bit more structured. But yeah, remember how I was talking about maybe we should both record this in case the worst happens? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and by the worst, you mean cat. <laughs> I mean cat. So duly noted, cats are not allowed in the office when uh, when we're recording. <laughs> or ever, probably now. <laughs> it's just forbidden. It is forbidden. Hello, welcome to Pros Before Shows. I'm Laura, your resident book nerd. And I'm May, and sometimes I watch stuff. This podcast attempts to settle the age-old debate, is the book actually better? Before we get into today's episode, please keep in mind that this material is highly subjective. We are only two people with two less than professional opinions. We encourage you to continue the discussion on our Facebook page. And remember, it's okay to have a different opinion. Just don't be a dick about it. Um, okay, so let's start at the very beginning with... Um, do we have a name yet? Is it just going to be like the, the books, book versus movie podcast or the book was better podcast? Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> um, was the book actually better with me and Laura? I don't know. That's stupid. That's also really long. Does it come to it? Like, what acronym does that come to? The T book B. The T B W B P. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not snappy. That's not, not hashtag all. <laughs> uh, I should actually probably test it. We could call sure. ourselves Cinema Books. Cinema Books? Cinema Books. Cinema Books. The Cinema Books Podcast. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> okay, maybe perhaps. Uh, by me. The name will come. Well, it'll come with time. It'll be the the unnamed book movie review podcast thing with two nerds who probably have no business making a podcast, but whatever. We're not letting our dreams be memes and stuff. Okay, but who really has any business making a podcast? Not too many people. A lot of people make podcasts, but probably don't have any business making podcasts. The whole notion of podcasts is just like, hey, you're going to sit there and have a conversation about people about things and record it, and other people are going to eat that shit up like candy? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I love podcasts. I, I just don't. I don't get why we do love podcasts. Because right? Because it's just, it's eavesdropping on other people's conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Tell but then also wrong. with ads thrown in. 
Yes, also with ads. Maybe one day we'll have ads. That's the real dream, isn't it? Participating in capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) True facts. That's how you know you've made it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Anyway. Um, Right. So this is a podcast in which we, me and you, read a book and then watch the movie that was based off that book. Possibly also we might branch into plays eventually. We'll we'll see. We'll see if we're feeling Ooh. frisky. There's there's just happened to be a lot and some of them are really interesting. So I figured maybe one month we could do a theme that's movies based off of plays. Or like a theater. I like that. Yeah. Um or we can do like a short story theme too. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um so that's 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 what this is. Um, we should preface this also with uh, neither of us are professionals in either field. We have no. we have some experience. I I did a brief stint in a very generalized film degree, <laughs> and I'm trying to write a book. Yeah, know a thing or two about them. Yep. Maybe someday I'll be able to call myself a professional in the field, but that's not critiquing. I'll never be a professional book critic. Because I don't have it in me. <laughs> yeah, don't. and I have I have no aspirations to be any more involved with the film industry. Or like that would be cool, but I like my day job. So yeah, I like movies. Laura likes books. I also yeah. like books, but I am definitely I would not consider myself a strong reader. I struggle quite a bit retaining information from books. So that's why we have Laura, who is the opposite of that i am yeah a direct opposite because i retain better from books and movies i struggle so hard i will i will inevitably have to take notes on what the character names are and have them in a sheet in front of me (laughs) it's like an excel spreadsheet Uh, yeah because i can go and watch an entire movie and dan will be like oh i loved this character name here Uh, who (laughs) (laughs) They How did you like know a, their name? A relatively major character. And unless they're saying the name repetitively, um, in it's gone. It's in one or out the other. It's just not. People put on subtitles and I stop watching the movie to read the subtitles. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's why we're going to make a great team. Because we are actually like the polar opposite when it comes to uh, visual media versus written media. That is the uh, the idea. Yes. Yes. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna settle the age old debate of like the this whole thing of the book was better. Um, I'm not really like. Well, we might settle it. We might get to the end of the episode and like decide between us was it better as a book or as a movie. Um, yeah. But and like sometimes you're gonna have ones where oh, they were both awful and oh, they were both pretty good. Yeah. What you really want to get to the sweet spot in which the movie adaptation is a true true adaptation or at least like good in its own right right like really i think the the goal of this whole endeavor is to kind of explore the fact that these are two very different mediums and trying to adapt one from the other is incredibly difficult um and try to find the good and the bad and the ugly of both sides and kind of see if the sort of like concept and ideas were represented better on paper or on screen, uh, May yeah. I have a cat-related emergency of my own. Um, oh no! In that mostly we can't find her. Oh, can we pause for five? <laughs> yes, I also need to check to make sure we're actually recording. So yeah, 
Sounds good. Okay. I'll be back in five. (laughs) Hold, please. Right. Welcome. (laughs) I don't remember where we left off before we had our second cat emergency of the night. Little shithead. (laughs) Did I end up telling you how we found her? No. Because I woke up, woke up the next day, like run to the backyard, hoping against all hope that she is there. She is not on the deck. And just as my heart is breaking for the thousandth time that night, now morning, I look to the side and there she is strutting around the corner because we left both of the back gates open Mm -hmm. in case she couldn't jump back over or whatever. Just strutting around the corner like, it's time to come home for breakfast. Asshole. Right? The biggest of jerks. Just like not a not a care in the world. You yep. little shit. Yep. Yeah, that. Anyway, I have no <laughs> idea where we left off. Um I think we more or less just like talked about um the the sort of goal of this whole endeavor and yeah like i made up a a pseudo format that we may or may not stick to yeah don't don't hold us to anything because we have no idea what we're doing literally none whatsoever we just figured we would talk about stuff and maybe people would be entertained by it yeah that seems to be the whole premise behind podcast i think is that you just talk (laughs) into the abyss and hopefully somebody likes it (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the shout idea. Shout into the void. I like this plan. So this is us shouting into the void. About and, uh... books and movies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're, we're, we're probably going to go by themes, I guess. Um, yeah. So we do like uh, groups of like four to six um, book and movie adaptations in a, in a certain theme or genre. Or maybe less, depending on if that genre gets really specific. Maybe eventually, if people actually listen to this, we'll take, like, audience suggestions for themes. Oh, I'm down for taking whatever audience suggestions. I will will read and also watch any garbage you send my way. Oh, yeah. If you are going to listen to what we're talking about and then request a thing, I'm here for that. I'm, like, I, I don't expect us to blow up to the point that... Uh, I regret saying those words, but who knows? Maybe a girl can dream. Yeah, sign <laughs> me the fuck up. <laughs> that's the goal, people, to make me regret the words I've spoken. Yeah, I think that's how you know you've made it. Is when you when regret, you regret everything. <laughs> yeah, when you regret your earliest, uh, earliest promises. Like what have what have I done? <laughs> I've made a grave error. Uh, uh, how how often are we doing this? Biweekly. Bi-weekly seems solid. That seems doable. Good amount of time to read a new book and watch a new movie. Provided those books are not fucking a thousand pages long like our first one. I'm sorry. (sighs) That's my bad. (laughs) Good start. Good start. So I guess... To be fair, I honestly don't think it's necessary to have finished it. (laughs) Good, because I haven't and I probably won't. (laughs) Yeah, just just cut out and bail. I'm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we are 
past the point of I just we just need to be done with it now. Anyway, I think- uh, right. So first category is best picture winners that were based off of books. And our first entry in that category, because Laura <laughs> hates me, is... And uh, myself. I also did the whole thing. Just... It's gone, gone with the, the wind. wind. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, this is what we have done. And I am... I'm sorry to everybody. <laughs> So I feel the need to almost explain myself. Okay, yes. For Go for it. Is because um, I'm really good at not paying attention to context when things are super famous. Um, and Gone with the Wind has always been one of the ones kind of in my periphery as of like Brett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara. They're synonymous with romance. They're like, they're major. Mm-hmm. Like the story of Gone with the Wind, there's allusions to it in literature all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um and particularly in romance genres, people like reference this story and these characters all the freaking time. Yeah. So I'm like, it's a classic. I should probably have read it. And now oh, the more classics I read, and I'm going to have people come for me about this, I swear. Uh, the more classics I read, the more I'm like, I don't think the people who say they love these things have actually consumed this content. Like, I'm I'm suspicious because I've had a lot of people tell me they love blah, 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 classic book. And I have read blah, 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 classic book and kind of been like, really? Yeah, I feel you on that. You loved it. You loved it. That is the word you would use to describe that book. You loved it. You were so emotionally captured by this particular text that that you would say you loved it. I'm suspicious. But also, yeah. I don't want to be that person that is like, uh, have you actually read it? Because that's super douchey, and uh, we're not going to do any of that. And I just, yeah, so I, just I, have I fell questions. into the trap. <laughs> I fell into a trap here, I feel, of of people, because I even went on to Goodreads afterwards, like, looking through reviews, and some people were like, oh my god, it's my favorite. I, like, rewatch the movie every year. I'm like, really? You sit through four hours of this movie every year? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I don't... I think I have a theory that we as a society are just really obsessed with things that are long. (laughs) The longer, the better. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, just who does not like a good epic? Yeah. Like, me. Like, um, there's no point in watching Lord of the Rings unless you're watching the extended versions. And that's just like a 12 and a half hour ordeal sometimes. And that is a very commonly held opinion, is that, like, why bother watching The Lord of the Rings unless you're going to spend a day and a half doing it? And I'm I'm really guilty of maintaining that, too. And I love Lord of the Rings, but, like, I won't watch it unless I have time to sit down and watch all of them, and I, they have to be the extended version. And I don't, I don't know why, Laura. I don't know why. The theatrical releases are still good. Why can't I just sit down and watch Two Towers? That's my favorite one. Why can't I just watch the Battle of Helm's Deep? No, I have to watch them all in order, and I have to watch all three out, three and a half, four hours of each one. It's hardly just you. Like every, like people love a good epic. It like fantasy as a genre is just like 
plagued by them. I wish like, every fantasy film was four hours long. I would sit through any fantasy or good sci-fi movie for four hours. I do not understand why people will sit through four hours of Gone with the Wind. Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get to the so, movie. <laughs> I definitely did have some thoughts watching this. We'll get to the thoughts On after. why. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll there. get there. But I do have... I, I want to hear these thoughts. Perhaps why, why it was such a big deal, and because there yeah. are elements that I think maybe, but like let's backtrack to the book. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll we'll try and format this as we'll start with the source material and then we'll get on to its adaptation. But yeah, okay. So yeah. let's let's start with the book. So Laura Laura decides this is our first one for the reasons she's just described, and I've been I've been hearing a lot of talk about this in context with the black lives matter movement and i'm always of the the mindset of if we're going to love or hate something with such ferocity i need to have like i need to have a, like consumed the original content so that i can bash it or love it correctly <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense like so I, need, I need to base this of of yeah i need to be able to base it i need to be able to have like if i'm going to have an opinion there's no point in having an opinion if i can't back it up yeah, especially a loud opinion. So I agreed to do Gone with the Wind. Like, yeah, okay. So if we're gonna hate this, like, I'm gonna know. <laughs> I'm gonna know why. And I now I know. I, I can yeah. complete agreement. You didn't need to read but, all of the pages to know. To yeah, it just I was gave you. I knew within about the first ten pages. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. This is what we're about. Yeah, because it's broken up into five acts, and I don't think. I don't think any of them really get better in the, especially in the cringy racist content. Yeah, full disclosure, I got to the point in the book where, um, it was like the halfway point in the movie, right before intermission, where like Scarlet like raises her fist to the sky and vows she's never going to be hungry again, even though she's been going through this for in the movie what seems like three days in the book, I'm sure it seems longer. <laughs> You know, it really doesn't. Oh, <laughs> I have Maybe experienced hardship for approximately three days. And you know what? That's fucking enough. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> actually, I think that's one of the more charming aspects about Scarlett O'Hara is she's like, I will not tolerate suffering. Yeah, I am. I am a Southern girl and people will spoil me, damn it. There are Scarlet. Okay, let's talk about Scarlett. Because, like, the first page describes her, and, like, from her first description, I'm like, oh, God. Like, Scarlet's kind of a bitch. She's that girl that you kind of hate. And I was like, I mean, I was... And she stays that way. She stays she that is, way. She's not redeemed at any point in the book. But at the same time, I have, like, I understand why people are fond of her. She uh, she has the like this quality about her because of like what time period this book is set in and all the bullshit rules that the society like follows and just like Scarlet's complete disdain for that um but like at the same time trying to like f fake out that she <laughs> she does care that was it's a, it's a little bit endearing i mean like the woman gets married three times um none of which two people she cares about they're all for some sort of gain 
she Either runs her own business money. yeah spite or money so the first one being spite is hilarious a second one for yeah. money being a little like just save her plantation like okay that's kind of a point in her favor i guess and then the third time also for money because she's tired of dealing with this nonsense and Rhett won't give up um and then yeah, she, like, she runs her own business lie. like if i lived in the like late 1800s and i had like random like kind of charming kind of sleazy millionaire be like okay fine I guess I'll marry you if that's the only way to have you I would kind of like look around at everything burning around me and go "Mm, yeah you got yourself a deal I'm not about to say that I would be above that (laughs) yeah I, I I can't I can't say that I would think I was above it I would I'd Maybe if he were closer to my age, I don't, I have a really, I'm having a hard time with this age gap between them. Yeah. Well, okay, like, Rhett meets her when she's 16 and he's in his, like, mid-30s. And he's like, I wanted you from the moment I saw you. Okay, that's weird. It is weird. That's it weird. It is weird. And this and... is where that starts with me not understanding the romance. Yeah. Because it's weird from the beginning yeah. and it makes my skin crawl, like, a little bit. And it's just, I don't don't. have that same reaction towards fictional age gaps. In in fiction, I don't have a like a knee jerk no reaction. Seeing them in person is a totally different story. Uh, But in I don't know. I've just I went to a couple in my teens. I spent a lot of time in dark corners of the internet. That like (laughs) I don't know. Maybe made me numb to the whole whole thing so it's, for me it's not a deal breaker see i was pretty innocent until my late teens i didn't discover like the internet until i was probably 17 or 18 so maybe it's yeah. just like and it's it's only it's very specifically like when one part of the one side of the relationship is like of like um oh my god how does english work a uh what's the what's the fucking word <laughs> An established adult. Power imbalance? It's a, yeah, it's the established adult and the teenager specifically. Yeah. That weirds me out. If like Scarlet was in her twenties and like a young adult and like, you know, not sixteen and Rhett was in his thirties, that wouldn't be weird to me. Yeah. It's the fact that like she's like He's coveting her from coveting her from, from actual and sixteen year olds to me are small tiny babies still. They are small, tiny babies. And it's just like, I don't like it. But anyway, so Scarlet is Scarlet. <laughs> I don't know. I see I see the appeal and why people like her. But like, also, she's kind of a. I find her a little overbearing. I guess she's just a little much. A lot of people defend her as. Um, as like in support of unlikable characters and like okay but like there's unlikable characters that you do actually like and that you know that you're not supposed to like um harry potter people love the shit out of snape yeah he's an unlikable character he's not supposed to be someone you root for and yet here we are uh, he's just off the top of my head there are many more oh but like that unlikable character you uh, 
can't just be completely irritating the entire time. That's it. She's annoying. Yeah, she's an- she's annoying. She's whiny. And like like to her credit, like halfway through the book, she just starts getting shit done. Right? Yes. Like Red abandons them on the road. When- <laughs> yeah. And when she just starts getting shit done, that is absolutely when the like the like kind of whiny crybaby that she is in the beginning starts being a little bit more redeemable and then she's still just as irritating but she's the only one who's actually functioning at this point yeah so you kind of you're willing to you go along for the ride with her yeah you forgive her a little bit for being such a just a c word i'm not gonna say it on the internet (laughs) (laughs) but like she starts like turning it around and she just like puts on her big girl pants and like get stuff done and i don't know what she's like in the second half but i'm assuming that like get shit done is kind of still her mo yeah um the movie uh, is a very very faithful adaptation yeah. so it, it, that's it's basically that but with more descriptions about a lot of lot of talk about the mill she's oh yeah her their lumber mill business yeah and granted, that's major for yeah. That's a big a woman to be deal. running a business like in that time period. Yeah, well, the eighteen seventies probably because the war yeah. ended in sixty five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a. And I, I find Margaret Mitchell does spend like an inordinate amount of time on things like that. Like that's like the dialogue takes up like three seconds, and then it's like ten pages of. And this is what it was like to do this, which is fine. Yeah, it's very um, like if we're if we're gonna rag on her about it, then we also have to rag on like Tolkien and George R. R. Martin for doing stuff like that, because oh, I I will what do they that. do. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, here's three seconds of a character something, and then let me describe somebody's nipples for two pages. <laughs> that is coming at you, their Game of example. Thrones. Yeah. Okay, I should also preface so I, that we're not going to be bitter about, like, everything. Just some things. Some things we're bitter. We're about, probably 50% bitter about things. <laughs> These are things we genuinely enjoy. We love books and movies. We do. We love them. And we I am a fan of Game of Thrones, so don't at me. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we probably also should have put a disclaimer on this version because I think we had it in the first version of are recording the one that Dante turned off my computer and we lost an hour of us talking. <laughs> uh, yes, um, the joys of cats. Uh, that this book um, deals a lot with, you know, racial things. And um, Laura and I are both white. So keep that in mind can as I, we talk about it. Can I qualify that real quick? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of racial issues in the book. I wouldn't say the book deals with them. I, I don't think they deal with them at all. I just think that yeah. they are present. But they are they are present and they are of immediate concern if th- to make the statement that we're discounting this as a classic and we are throwing it out with the bathwater uh, because because of all of the kind of like icky racial depictions in this book, mm. I think is a really valid statement. Yeah, Like, let's stop hanging on to stuff just because it's old. Because I looked this up. It's like, you can't even brush it off as a product of its time. The Confederate War ended in, like, what, the 1860s, we just 1865, said? yeah. Yeah, so this book was written in 1935. 
39. Yeah. So this was created within the last so hundred years. That's like saying that you wrote a story about like the civil rights era now and made it a product of its time. That's yeah. Essentially. And also saying something is a product of its time is so dismissive. Like, no, okay. It wasn't okay. Then just because it was accepted doesn't mean it was okay. And we all have to get that through our head. That you can't just, oh, well, it's a product of its time. No, that's just something yeah. to keep in mind as you consume it and figure out exactly why it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, like, this one didn't age well. No. Oh, my God. I think in the first 30 pages, there were five different derogatory terms for a Black person. Oh, yes. There's... Ugh. Like, obviously, like, the N-word is a full no go but yeah i'm not even how do i get around to what i'm talking about without having to say it um using dark as a descriptive name yeah that'll get some people yeah that that word ooh it's cringy every time yeah and they I, use it a lot and yeah. by they i mean margaret mitchell yes so it was yeah less present in the movie i think just the fact that the movie scrunched down a lot of stuff the movie i think is of the two my favorite just because a lot of the really horrific like racial um injustices yeah well they they, that's not right they toned toned down the like overt racist ideas a bit yeah in the movie so and that's you're a little... to its credit i guess but we'll get First there all, there's other things back. yeah so yeah that little bit of distance i think is is just enough to make it a little bit better for me but like it's Ugh. still really present in the film too yeah it is yeah. i'm trying to spin a thing and it's just it's not like i'm not even going to attempt to defend either of them like the film is marginally better but like that's almost giving it too much credit it's because the the book dug so deep oh god that yeah. the film being better is like well like it didn't have to try that hard to speaking. be better like that was a low bar <laughs> yeah they just had to like step over it yeah they yeah essentially anyway I like I want to address like some of this stuff, but like I also don't want to like put like my own opinion want to like put like my own opinion other than I think it's garbage out there cuz like there are more important people to listen to when it comes to this stuff and maybe when oh, we absolutely. post this in the description we'll post links to people of color and black people talking about this and maybe you guys should listen to them more. But just know if you're going to read this book, be warned. Like, it's really bad, you guys. It's really racist. It's it's cringy racist. I'm side-eyeing all of the people that I found online that were like, this is my favorite book of, of all time. What? I don't, like, I, yeah, okay, so, like, I, there's not enough in this book to make me get past the fact that it's like so 
disgustingly racist. Like, I, so I don't, these people are just like willfully ignorant or actually racist. I don't know. But like, what are you getting out of this that makes any of going through any of that worthwhile for you? You know? I have no idea. It boggles the mind. Anyway. So. Hmm. So let's talk as about. A, as a reference, just like looking at other books that are published in the 1930s. Because uh, to say kind of that this was like typical of the time stuff like that i'm just doing a quick scroll this is when nancy drew was first being published um very yeah the nancy drew books are very whitewashed but they're um they're not so hatefully discriminatory mm-hmm. um agatha christie publishing in the 30s but again hers is very surface level but like i read through the james bond books that people like will notoriously say uh are like super racist Mm -hmm. and it is obvious that ian fleming was a racist but the actual content of the book is a little bit more respectful than that so i think even among the the other books being published at the time this one's bad do you think it is because of the the setting that is it just just because like that sort of it is the content itself it's set in the old south in the civil war which was fought over racism and if somebody says state rights one more time i will stab their eyes out <laughs> uh yeah it's the setting has got to be it uh right. what do you want to bet that margaret mitchell grew up, grew up in the south uh, yeah, do the Google. Insert hold music. <laughs> hold, please. Uh, her grandfather was in the Confederate Army. There you go, Margaret Mitchell. I apparently can't type as fast. <laughs> oh, so really, if we if we read between the lines a little bit, uh, Margaret Mitchell. Um, Scarlett O'Hara is just a Mary Sue because her uh, great-grandfather um, emigrated from Ireland. Like, her Irish father in the thing? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, so she was born and raised deep south. She was born... Born in Atlanta um, in 1900. Yeah, born Died real young. Yeah. Also in Atlanta. Yeah. So, Confederate era family. She probably was very familiar with plantation life. Yeah. So, all of this just is screaming bias to me, right? Yeah. So, she's one of, like, probably, if her grandfather was a Confederate soldier then how much do you want to bet that she heard stories of how like the, her whole upbringing would have been like those damn Yankees kind of thing. Yeah. Not the, not the play or the musical. The, like actually like they took away our way of life, blah, blah, blah. Because didn't, didn't I read, I think on the back of the book in her like little about the author thing, 
in my my edition of Gone with the Wind. Um, that uh, she didn't they like her and her family were historians or something, and like they, they were focused on the Civil War. I don't know. That could be fake. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I buy it. You said it convincingly enough. Did I? <laughs> hmm. Career in politics. Here I come. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so. And this kind of brings. I was talking with Allie about this earlier. I was trying to get myself in the headspace to, to talk about this nonsense. That like, I'm okay. Go ahead. Go Hold ahead. on. That thought just one second. Because uh-huh. scrolling through Wikipedia, it would be a shame if we didn't bring this little tidbit to life. Oh no. Um, uh, Mitchell began collecting erotica from bookshops in New York City while in her twenties. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Mitchell discussed her interest in, quote, dirty bookshops and sexually explicit prose and letters to a friend, Harvey Smith. Smith noted her favorite reads were Fanny Hill, The Perfume Garden, and Aphrodite. Well, then! Huh. You could have fooled me, because I feel no sexuality or romantic tension or sexual tension in Gone with the Wind. That could just yeah, be dur- me, though. I'm not very good at reading. During the in which Mitchell was reading pornography and sexology, she was also writing Gone with the Wind. Hmm. And yet chose to focus almost entirely on, like, the war itself and uh, calling black people by horrible names. Yeah. This yeah, could, a this lot could of have been good. This could have been better. And she chose to take it to the bad place. Minus ten points to Mitchell. Yeah. I think the root of the story is is there. Like, there's some elements to it that it could have been really incredible. And I just am pulled too far out by all of the racist language. Yeah, like, there I there are some tropes in there that are, like, my favorite romantic tropes. Like, the, 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 the enemies to lovers trope. Enemies is my to favorite. lovers. It's my favorite. And I don't know why, but I just, I love it. Everyone... Everyone loves a good enemies to lovers story. I know, I know I'm not the only one out there, but no. And like Rhett kind of had me on his team from the beginning, despite being a weird old creep, because like all the the boys are sat having their brandied cigars or whatever, and they're like talking about the war and how obviously they're going to win against the North because they're gentlemen. And Rhett's like, "Hey, you know what? Actually, if you actually saw it and like thought about it for half a second, you'd realize we're totally fucked." Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm on your side now, Rhett. <laughs> he is uh he is a he's a he's he a guy. Is charming in his honesty. Yeah, he's very candid, which is a good thing, I think. Right? Yes. So we've got sure. we've got some good qualities for both of our protagonists. Scarlet is some is a no bullshit woman who gets shit done. Mm-hmm. And uh and and Rhett is charmingly candid. And is, there, his we real, did it. <laughs> his real only fault is being creepy and old. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's a little sleazy, but he's sleazy in kind of a a way that but I'm he's a sucker for. Open about his sleaziness. He doesn't pretend to be not sleazy. Yeah, he he's aware. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. And, like, he does some nice things, but then we'll get to the... I don't know if it happens in the book, but in the movie, he does a not-so-nice thing that I'm kind of hating on him for, too. You're gonna have to be more specific. The whole... 
you won't deny me tonight thing. Ah, uh, yes. That scene. <laughs> Dan and I were actually talking about the fact how he was somehow the most redeemable character. If, and then we're, except for that one little instance of, of spousal abuse. Yeah, and then that just took that, that took that whole, like, yeah, Rhett's not so bad. He just, he took that away from me by being a fucking asshole to his wife. Uh-huh. God damn this. I see, I see, I don't, I don't get it. I don't <laughs> understand why people like this so much. Yeah, we're trying so hard. And <sighs> we're trying so hard to come up with like nice things to say. It's just, it's it's not working. Uh, okay, what else can we say about the book? We covered the whole Scarlet is a dink. Rhett is slightly less of a dink until that one moment where he is the most dink. Super racist. <laughs> it's very long. Super uh, long. Super long. Yeah, okay. That's the book. Yeah. Let's and move there on. Are, <laughs> there are... The, old, the characters fall into one of two categories of, like super problematic or caricatures yeah and there's no no in between either they're not real people or they do something so horrific that at the if, at some point when you're reading or watching you will flinch yeah like even even melly who's who's the so sweet and just so loving and all of this too uh, sweet sympathizes with the kkk does she in the book? Yeah. See, I haven't got Scarlet that Scarlet is actually the only one of that little crew who doesn't, she's like unaware. And as the book goes through, she, she doesn't condemn it for reasons of like virtuous reasons, but it's basically like, oh, like they're just, they're going to get themselves in trouble. Why would they do that? This whole, like this whole clan thing is stupid and. Oh, and that means the men aren't paying attention to me again, because that was her whole thing about the war. Yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. That makes sense. That tracks. Yeah. Oh, but she has a lot sucks. of unrelated reasons, but Scarlet's actually the only one of that little circle that, because everyone else, um, when it comes around to the uh, the night that they're caught and, and Rhett goes out to save them. And, um... <gasps> oh, that part of the movie, that was them being part of the KKK? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. That's no. The, yeah, that's absolutely the like military meeting. What do they call it? Political meeting. Political meeting. That's the political meeting they're talking about. Is the it's a KKK meeting? Oh my god. Yeah. Well, they glossed okay. right over that in the movie. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. So, and then Scarlet's the only one that doesn't know. Yeah. So everyone else kind of caught up to speed and melanie of course is just supporting her darling husband no matter what gag yeah and ashley <laughs> is the worst ashley is the worst you yeah i honestly like for if, if they were going to create a character for scarlet to pine after for three quarters of that book yeah just like wow did it have to be someone so unappealing as ashley yeah like god it's damn and it's even worse for me in the movie. Yeah. He's so, he's just like melted vanilla ice cream, but like not <laughs> the good kind, like the really shitty kind. Just like a basic 
single churned briars. Yeah. It's like no real vanilla bean. It's just like artificial vanilla extract and 2% milk. <laughs> like he's not just... even real cream. <laughs> he's not even like, because like the whole time he's kind of like fighting with this idea, like maybe this war is unfounded and blah, blah. But he's not even like bold in his conviction of that. He's just like, well, yeah, but I'm a Southerner. So I guess I have to do it and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Can you just like. Yeah. Mm. Especially so when put next. And I think that's part of the point is you put him next to Scarlet, who is so full of life and spite. <laughs> oh, she just runs on spite, doesn't she? She is. A, that's just, like, one of her endearing qualities spire. to me. Yes, absolutely. So probably on purpose to be put next to her. But like, it's it gets to the point where it's not believable that she's pining after this Ashley. Right. And, He's such a fop. It's the most confusing part. She's, And she's married so many times. <sighs> Scarlet, Scarlet. Uh, Scarlet, Scarlet, Scarlet. But like, speaking of, of Ashley, he's supposed to be, like, an intellectual, right? I don't... The only, like, indication that, that I got anyway from reading the book, I might have missed something. As you know, I'm notoriously not good at absorbing information from text. But, like, the only indication I got from him being intellectual was the fact that he was questioning the purpose of the war. That seemed to be his only distinguishing quality from any of the other Southern gentlemen besides Rhett. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's behaviors that we're missing because it's older. Maybe. But that feels like a reach. But, like, I, while we're on the subject of him being an intellectual, I have to bring up the thing. I don't know if you put any notice of this or maybe i'm just reading into it but scarlet's dad gerald tells her in the beginning it's like page 37 or something that it would be better for scarlet like if she, she he doesn't want scarlet to marry ashley it would be better if she married someone had a husband who beats her or cheats on her than a husband like ashley who's an intellectual because at least she could understand why her husband beats her or cheats on her yeah, I forgot about that part. I can't really forget. Weird. I can't forget it because it's just like, wait, what? It would be better to have someone who beats you. What? Or cheats on you because you as a woman could understand that. But you couldn't, you couldn't understand a husband who is smart and was full of the book learning. And Which that's bizarre because Scarlet is... <laughs> Very intelligent. She's intelligent and resourceful and observant. Yeah. And that's just, yeah, that was hurtful. I didn't like that. And that's a, that's a theme in the book I found, too, is that um, the Southern folk tend to really, like, really shit on intellectuals and learned people. Because, like, you yeah. shouldn't need to know uh, things, anything other than how to, like, run your plantation and keep slaves, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like any, any, um, like there's a lot of talk about like Ashley being kind of weird because he pursued knowledge outside of that wheelhouse. And I just, I have so many questions as to like why people romanticize the Antebellum South so much. Like, is it just because they wore pretty dresses? Is that, is that the entire thing? No. 
I don't think so. And I need to preface this by the fact that uh, we're also on top of this Canadian. Um, so this is in no way our upbringing. But from my experience of having briefly traveled there, there is still distinctly, for better or for worse, a major cultural like center in the South that is quite unlike anything else in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should also preface, I've never been there. I've been yeah. to Florida when I was 12. And that was perhaps um, a mistake. But... <laughs> but... Um, I've never been to Atlanta specifically, but I traveled a little bit through Georgia. And just everyone I met there was just very much that that old southern charm so it exists there like independent obviously like everyone being connected to a greater world now it's not it's not closed off in the same way but the mannerisms there are really quite charming um and the whole presentation of that culture is very interesting. So I see why the romance is there. It's just when you get down to trying to detangle that romance from like racial prejudice, and then everything goes sideways a little bit, but on both ends of the scale. For both, like, the white and black population, you have those people that just, like, truly have that southern charm, and it is something else. Hmm. Yeah, I guess, like, I understand a fascination, because, like, I like history, so I like knowing how things were done, and, like, I, that was the one part of the book I was really interested in, was Mitchell's, like, description of, like, etiquette and, like just how like the way they lived their life like that was fascinating but it that fascination did not override like the disgust at yeah. like not only the um the treatment of slaves and the fact that they owned people and that the tarleton boys were given a human being as a gift um but like also is- like all these like the etiquette itself like some of those rules were pretty like silly like your husband dies so you have to go into mourning and not have any fun or do any social or not wear all black for three years or something like that um and you can't like you can't mention to men that you're pregnant or that someone's pregnant you have to refer to it as like because of their condition because men are so sensitive like i never want to hear like women can't be empowered because we're emotional when you couldn't tell men about like bodily functions because dear god (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like all the all this kind of these like silly petty rules and I like it's it is it's a cool to know like that that like there there is a certain amount of like comfort in like knowing what the rules are as like an autistic person I get that I like having a script but that script is stupid and I don't understand <laughs> I don't understand why people like it so much I'm I'm as an outsider having no experience with this. I it's difficult. I don't I don't get it. That's fair. But like because I also romanticize like the Victorian and Edwardian eras. 
But like, also, it was really shitty then too. <laughs> like, it wasn't any better <laughs> across the pond. I guess. I guess, like, technically, like the Victorian era was happening more or less the same time as the Confederacy, was it not? Victoria died in nineteen hundred. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just a shitty time all around, but, like, corsets, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? like, almost an exact overlap with the Confederate era. Only the Confederate era is short. Like, four years. <laughs> yeah. But the same same idea. I've been on Instagram longer than the Civil War lasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay, let's... Let's move on with the movie because the movie we're in- inevitably going to be like circling back to the book to draw comparisons and stuff. So yeah, totally. Let's let's move on. I've got some fun facts. I have to look up fun facts about like the film because I think I don't know. It's important. Uh, I love fun facts. Fun movie facts is literally the only thing I got out of going to film school. <laughs> 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 no, I got more than that, but I'm just but basically just facts. Okay, so yeah, the movie was made in 1939, which is the same year as uh, Wizard of Oz, and they're both up for the Oscar, uh, both directed by the same person, Victor Fleming. Oh. Yeah, so they had they had a director lined up originally for Gone with the Wind, um, but I can't remember exactly why. I think it was either creative differences or something, but in any case, um, he got fired and they brought in Victor Fleming, so he was working on two... Um, oscar nominated movies at the same time he actually had to take like two weeks off due to exhaustion so that this uh this production actually had three different directors in its lifespan so funny yeah and uh three prom uh three main screenwriters as well it was was really long so i don't blame them yeah um the original script was like 10 hours long or something jesus yeah so they had to like cut down quite a bit um okay so it and speaking of the awards it won 10 out of the 13 it was nominated for uh best picture being like the reason why we're doing it i guess um but another point to note and this is pretty horrific is um hattie mcdaniel is the actress who played mammy and Mm -hmm. she won the award for best supporting actress and she was the first um african-american woman to win the award and was not allowed to attend the ceremony because of segregation laws. I knew that. Isn't that disgusting? That's awful. <laughs> that is that is the She's worst. Nominated. You nominated her and wouldn't let her you go. You nominated for the award and not only nominated but awarded her the award, and she was not allowed to go to the ceremony. Like fuck and, right oh my off. God, did she ever earn that? Because she is one of those characters that was just a character, and she breathed life into that character right that was that was like not every time script. she was on was screen not in the text yeah she did that because yeah because yeah. mammy is like just a caricature in the book mm-hmm. she is just that's, that's just a trope yeah she is like what is what is that trope uncle tom is that right yeah yeah i really need to look this up it's really important that we know what uncle tom is just give me, uh, hold please but like the yeah the the mammy character is like uh, hold please uh the tom the tom or uncle tom caricature portrays 
uh, black men as faithful, happily submissive servants, like the mammy care and the similar mammy caricature is similar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was right. That's really yeah, it's like- a really important to know. But yeah, so that sucks. Um, also, Gone with the Wind held the record for the highest grossing film for 25 years after its release. Um, it was broken by The Godfather in 1972. Interesting. Um, I did a, uh, this was a trivia answer actually while I was in the middle of reading the book um, that it's like the highest grossing G rated film of all time. Yep. It is the highest, if you adjust for inflation, it is still the highest grossing film of all time. Um, with a adjusted gross of somewhere in the vicinity of $7 billion. Holy balls. Um, for context, the runner-up is, I think, Avengers Endgame. Um, with <laughs> about $3 billion. Granted, that's only been out for like two years. Um, Gone yeah, with the Wind has been out true. for, what, nine... I can't do math in my head. I got a long time and the DVD from the library. So I avoided spending any money on this project. Nice. We unfortunately don't have access to the library as of yet. That's something I'm working on, but I bought the book at a massive discount because I work for a, a book retailer um, and the movie we rented on Google play. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I tried to minimize as much money spending on it as I could barring like, we have a thing about illegally downloading movies now because we went to film school and something, something respect. And I, I still think it's stupid, but don't tell Ellie I said that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just hope he never actually listens to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting right next to me, but he's got his headphones on. He's like Final Fantasy. It's fine. Um, yeah. So this movie has a 91% critic approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And a 91%? And 92% audience. Now, keep in mind, Rotten Tomatoes has kind of proven to be, like, not an indicator of anything substantial because it's owned by Disney and they just kind of, like, flood the reviews with, like, paid reviewers and bots and stuff. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. But it's one of that's widely recognized by people. So It's a 4.3 out of 5 stars on Goodreads, which is... Ugh. Ugh. But I believe it will also show me the breakdown on rating details. Ooh. Um, two percent gave it one star, three percent two stars, twelve percent three stars, twenty-five percent four stars, and fifty-six percent five stars. That was really terrible to listen to. Yikes, 50, 50, the majority of people gave it five stars. Yeah, 56% of people rating the book gave it five stars. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, Gone with the Wind is also number six on the American Film Institute's list of 100 top American-made movies. Yep, that's a thing. It's up there. Oh, I love I love this review. Hmm. Um, I honestly do not know whether to give this book five stars for being one of the most completely engrossing, shocking, and emotionally absorbing pieces of literature ever written, or to give it zero stars for being the most tragic, unendingly upsetting, disturbing book I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, that's valid. Yeah, credit to one Eve Brown on Goodreads. 
Like, yes, thank you. I get Eve. that. Like, I feel that. I feel that in my feeling places. <laughs> this is just yes, yeah. Uh, oh, I have a good review of the film um, from a, if I could read my own writing, it's either Frank or Friends hollering um, from a publication called The, the Nation, which is a, a liberal-leaning publication from the States. Um, in, re- in regards to Gone with the Wind, the film, uh, the result is a film which is a major event in the history of the industry, but only a minor achievement in motion picture art. Ooh, I love that because I want to talk about what we're, I, I've, I'm going to deviate a lot from content when we, especially when we get to film and talk about like like its yeah. production and it's just because it's a like books it's going to be the content and the way it's written but with film it's going to be the content and the way it's shown yeah um, and and that's equally as important when we're talking about visual media and it's not something people tend to notice because visual media literacy isn't often taught unless you seek it out so we're going to talk about it because i think it's really important that people like have some sort of awareness of like the subliminal or not necessarily subliminal but the more subtle things um because yes, everybody I'm very eager everybody touts gone with the wind as being this like cinematic marvel and I don't, it's not that I disagree. Like, hey, they, they shot this four-hour movie in six months. And all the post-production took four months. That's that's pretty impressive. They had a budget of $3.8 million, which at the time was, like, insane. Um, for context, Avengers Endgame's budget was $365 million, something like that. So, like, it's a, it's a lot. And even if you adjust that for inflation... Um, the Gone with the Wind's budget was in the vicinity of seventy million, and like they, they did they did quite a lot, and I think people are kind of enamored with the like these this old Hollywood thing, right? Where like, um, they painted everything like all these sets were just like a back lot in a Hollywood studio, like all the out yeah. the shots of Terra and the plantations were like in California, um. And it's this like big sweeping sets, and you can notice when the sets are painted, right? Because we we're used to CGI and stuff, or like actually building sets and not just like painting a backdrop kind of thing. Yeah, so you can see it, but it doesn't make it any less beautiful. Um, it definitely like the Hollywood charm is all over the place in this one, right? And so like the actual that production quality. Like is commendable, and that's that's why I agree with Mister um, Hollering, in that it is a credit to like the film industry, but like as as visual art, like they they built these pretty sets and then did nothing. Yeah, they, it's like like the I and and again like film had only been around in like this big commercial way for like a couple decades at this point. So we're not we're still kind of learning how to use it as a medium. But like by today's standards, like the, the cinematography is pretty boring. The editing is pretty garbage. Um, it's like super quick shots that are just like spliced together with no real thought. And like you don't get to like fully grasp what happened in a scene before it's on to the next bit. Um, and like the way that they pulled out 
like for a thousand page book in a four hour movie, like you say, it's pretty faithful, like that all the moments that they did pick are recognizable and you remember them from the book and they're pretty much exactly as you might have like envisioned them. But that's all they did is like they took a moment and then they filmed it and then they put the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one with no real. And they just kept hopping through story beats. Yeah. And this is kind of my argument for completely faithful adaptations into from a written media into visual media aren't necessarily a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because it just it didn't work to tell the story the same way they tried so hard to keep it exactly the same that it ended up failing because they're two different books and film are too 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 different to try and do that so the the film for me ended up with no real heart or charm it was just like vignette 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 yeah that's it was like some pretty dresses <laughs> like Oh my god. I that is actually one of the notes that I had down is that like the costumes. Oh my god, the costumes. It, that is one of the ones that just like yes, I I truly appreciated every single time the scene changed and people were dressed up in new stuff. Every person in the shot was just like loved it. <laughs> yeah. And like full credit to the costume department because that had to have been a nightmare. To have oh, to like so, like create all those outfits by hand. Like I watch tutorials all the time on people making like recreation garments and stuff. Like from yeah. the from the undergarments up to the full blown dress for like different time periods. And oh my god, that hurt! Imagine have to doing that for like. Imagine have to doing that for like. This is Scarlet in that movie. Whole cast full of people. Yeah, and then like, Melanie had probably a dozen dresses for four hours. Yeah. Hours of content. Like, know how yeah, long pre-production so was? Well, I guess pre-production was technically sure two years somewhere. to see the ad. But I don't think it's as spectacular as they are. Right, can you hear me? Hold, please. Oh my god, fuck. I hate fuck. Why are we doing this? Okay. That's funny. <laughs> what? This is just like, yeah, I'm going to record things without my mic. <laughs> classic us. <laughs> I mean, it is now classic us since we've done it three times. Recorded a whole 40 minutes of content without Mike. Uh, talked for 20 minutes without actually recording anything. And now recording our sign off without <laughs> with the mic muted. This is professional content. So profesh. Fuck, we're good at this already. Good start. Good start. Right. Okay. I'm gonna... Beautiful. Okay. Right. So. Gone with the wind. So which was better? The movie or the book? Okay. Do you want to go first? Do I want to go first? Okay. You've gone first twice. Let's just keep... Yeah. Okay. Let's just keep keep going. (laughs) Um, personally, I think I prefer the movie. Really? Um, I have to act surprised is... now. This is, in fact, the third time we've recorded this bit, but... <gasps> you, you, the book person, prefer the film? With Shuck. a little less melodrama, you were surprised the first time I saw it. I was! That. I was surprised that you liked the film. I, okay, is... I didn't like the film. I liked it better. There's okay. a <laughs> distinction there. Okay, fair. Fair enough. 
Um, but part of it was just by sheer mercy of it being shorter. Um, <laughs> and and that little bit of removal from the thoughts of the characters I actually found to be a nice relief, whereas normally that's something I enjoy. Wow. So this one, it's going to be the movie for me. Yikes. They're actually, right? like, the part where you're described to the, like the, what the characters are thinking they're in their internal monologue as you will you actually didn't like it i mean not that i enjoyed it either i'm just like that's typically like right that's the reason to like a book you get so much more being in a character's head and they just like all the of characters. these characters it was just a little bit painful to be in their heads yeah agreed okay well now my turn to shock you and i actually preferred the book Huh! <gasps> what? Scandal! Oh, how the tables have tabled! <laughs> yeah, so, and, and here's why. So, in terms of just like the movie as visual art kind of thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sound pretentious here, and maybe this is just like my like 21st century modern. Am I a millennial or am I a gen? You're millennial. I'm, okay. Yeah, but 91. Yeah, that works. Okay. Maybe yeah, it's just my millennial, millennial sensibilities, but like as a film, it's yeah, sure, like the sets are pretty and like blah blah blah, old Hollywood romance of like the handmade sets and stuff is cool. Um but it didn't like other than like the actual like set and costumes nothing else was like really helped to um kind of enhance the story like the cinematography just kind of existed the editing was hot garbage mostly because like i and i can't before people come at me and be like well you know back in old hollywood they had to do it by hand and blah blah, blah they had to cut frame by frame yeah i get it i get it it still didn't help right like it's still kind of hard to watch everything it's just like kind of yeah. It didn't add it didn't like add anything. There's so many movies out there like from that time period and um onward where like they actually like the actual way it was shot was helped to further give more information about the content. And that's kind of like what I'm looking for in a good film too, is like it's not just like you sit a camera on a tripod and go. Although I'm sure there are times when that's beneficial. Like don't at me, film people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying in this instance, like I didn't there get anything out of it being a movie. And then on top of not getting th getting anything bonus out of it being um, interpreted into a visual media, I actually, because there's so much content in the book that gets cut out as a film, just for the sheer fact that there's not enough time... <laughs> Um, you miss a lot of the stuff that makes what's happening in the in the plot that's shown important. Like, if I hadn't read the book, I would have no idea, like, why all these rules and etiquette and these social faux pas and why Scarlet being the way she is is, like, a big deal. Because, like, I don't know the history of uh, that area or that period of the United States very well. We're not taught it up here in Canada, the Civil War. We're taught very briefly that... Uh, so we had something to do with burning down the White House in 1812, and that's really all you learn <laughs> about America. <laughs> and, only, 
I didn't learn that in school. I learned that from the arrogant worms. Yeah, let's be real. We all did. I, th- I think that's the brief lesson. I think we were we were shown that song in social studies class at one point. Yeah, and that was that was the extent of learning about America. <laughs> anyway, yeah. my point being, like all these little things that are so like they're they're described for pages and pages and pages in the book. Uh, really give you that context of why any of this matters in the movie. That's true. Um, so I think just in terms of like displaying the content, it works better as a book. But if you just want, and I've said this now through three different times, um, in various attempts at recording this, and this had better work, I swear to God, or I'm just going to. I just give up. I'll just uninstall <laughs> myself from the universe. Um, is that... Oh, fuck. I lost my train of thought because I was trying to be funny. See, this is what happens. <laughs> Glamourville Hollywood. Glamourville Hollywood. Um, nope. No? Maybe? If you, if you just want the gist. Cause it's oh, like, if, if you, you just, just want, want the gist. If you just want, like, the bare, the bare minimum of, like, the plot um, and just, like, to see that old Hollywood air quote glamour <laughs> um, end quote <laughs> and yeah just watch the movie and save yourself a th- a 600 pages or s- whatever 600 pages or so yeah it's way longer than that it's a thousand pages but yeah just like if I'm totally honest though I think unless you like really you're like me and you just like you want to have read it yourself so you can back yourself up when you talk about it like you really it's i don't think it's a must read or see you really don't need to do either i will no, not judge which you is funny because this started as uh the reason i was reading god with the wind when may pitched this podcast to me uh was it gone with the wind was listed on a like hundred books you should read in your lifetime list i was working my way through and oh boy do i have some strong disagreements about what yeah. they've put on this list <laughs> and it's on like all the 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 must watch movies and you can't call yourself a film buff unless you've seen these movies of which i've seen very few by the way <laughs> don't have get me. to so many of them i'm going to cross a whole bunch off doing this podcast i know it but yeah i'm getting there but like honestly fam like if it doesn't involve spaceships or dragons like i'm hard pressed to watch it honestly so, <laughs> I have nothing to do with my time, right? Um, so why are we doing a podcast about books and movies? You ask. Well, <laughs> don't worry about it. It's fine. Something, something quarantine. Even though I'm have not been quarantined per se. Something, something essential worker. <sighs> essential, essential. Look at me. I'm essential. Fucking TikTok. TikTok was TikTok indeed. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I guess that's it. Um we, have, we did it. We are at an impasse. We have decided that both and neither are simultaneously better. Um perhaps perhaps it's better to say that it's better if you just don't. Yeah. Oh no is... man. Oh Elliot. Elliot that's agrees. Real, <laughs> that's the real conclusion that we have come to. It's just like maybe just give this one a pass. Yeah. And on that note, 
Um, we're gonna leave Gone with the Wind to the wind. And it will be gone. And we are going to move on to the English Patient. Yeah, so stay tuned for our next episode in two weeks from whenever this gets posted uh, on uh, the English Patient. Elliot's excited too. (laughs) Promise we'll have better things to say about this one. Yeah, hopefully. God, I hope. God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll uh, see you, or you'll see us, or hear us, or something. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> see you, nerds. Thanks for listening to Pros Before Shows. We want to know what you think. Follow us on Facebook and continue the discussion.